And I'm Denise Cooper. And you're listening to Two Two Average Girls. Girls. Joining us today is a very special guest here on Two Average Girls, Jenny Trainer. We have been talking for 30 minutes on how we're going to introduce Jenny Trainer. what's the appropriate thing to say, how how does she want to be labeled. She refused to participate in any of our shenanigans. So um, we're going to introduce Jenny Trainer just by saying that she's one of the world's greatest moms, even though she is giving me the eye right now won't admit it won't cop well, to it let, let's let's first go back she's one of our best friends mm-hmm. and we've known her for many many years we've raised our children together and um if i ever have a problem or if i need somebody to do something for me i mean what is it that you say like if i ever am in the hospital or i die you're gonna come over and clean my house for me so that everybody doesn't see how i really live <clears throat> Don't come to the hospital. Come to my house. I didn't know that was an offer on the table. Oh, yes, yeah. it is. It started years ago. I will ago. do it for you as well. Thank and you. she will yeah. do it for you and I, and okay. I will do it for her. It's kind of that thing. We've just made a blood oath here on the TAG podcast. I'm really happy <laughs> yes. about it. Can you do it even if I'm not dead? Can you just come over and clean my house? Um, I might send someone. <laughs> Closer to that mic. I, I might send someone. <laughs> there you Sorry. go. That's okay. Yeah, I would understand that completely. So, but we are having Jenny on today because Jenny, much like Liam Neeson, has a very specific <laughs> set of skills. <laughs> Just like Liam. Kind of. She is. I mean, I've talked to her. We we work together, so I see her on, an, on a daily, and we talk about raising our adult children. And we've watched each other raise our children as they've grown up. And one of the common themes that she and I both feel is somewhat missing in our society and is missing for parents in general. And Jenny has a much better perspective because she's worked at a school for many, many years, a high school. So she really got to see the nitty gritty of a lot of different parenting. But she and I have talked a lot about how parents today somewhat are missing the boat on continuing their parenting skills when it's hard well and it's always hard jenny has four boys how old are they now christian is 27 matthew's 25 charlie's 23 almost 23 and steven's 22 oh i did that wrong this is this is the even years Whatever. They're two years apart. <laughs> they're two years they're apart. They're about two years apart. They're about two years and apart. And they're adults. And they are adults. They're very much adults. And all yes. th- there's three of them that are married and cute Stephen. Bringing up the rear. Bringing up the rear. Stephen the angel. He can do no wrong. Well. He's my favorite. One of my favorites. And Jenny can't say anything about him because I will not allow it. Yeah. Stephen so that, knows. That was a lot of work when they were little. Yes. I mean, that's just a lot of energy, a lot of uh, boy stuff happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had one and I was like, I just, it's relentless. Like it never ends. So we'd go over to the trainers and I'd be uh, in awe 
I would stand in awe as I left my kid and ran. Because <laughs> that's just a lot happening. As they get older, though, that there's still a lot happening. It just comes in a different form. Absolutely. Can I, one of the things that, as my children are now having their kids of their own, and I see young moms in, in different places at church and, and workspace and everything else, and everybody, when you're in the phase of life, when you're in that, you feel like it is like, the hardest phase, right? Like the baby phase is like, oh my gosh, I can't sleep. Then the toddler phase is like, oh my gosh, terrible tools are a thing. We know it's real. You keep at each stage, you think this is really hard. And oh, it wasn't as bad as I was really thinking when they were babies. But you get to be adults, they get to be adults. And my personal feeling is all the rest of that that happened back in the day only is kind of preparing you for what really is to come. And I'm not trying to scare all the parents out there with young kids, because when you think, um, oh my gosh, all of a sudden it's gonna be over and I'm not gonna have to deal with it anymore, it's not true. It's always there, if you're doing it right. So as an adult, an older adult, not, I don't mean a 20 year old adult, I mean our age adult, you went back to school, Jenny. Yeah. Why? You know, a couple of reasons. I wanted to have a degree. I think it's important. I require my kids to do really hard things. I shouldn't say require. I ask them (laughs) to do really hard things. I've always asked them to do. You expect it. Yeah, I expect them to do really hard things. And I thought, you know what? I, you got to put your money where your mouth is. You know, I'm asking my kids to work part-time jobs and get their education and do all these things. And, you know, my education got put on hold. I was before kids I was a sociology major and um, then my kids came and I knew as soon as I started having kids I was just gonna have our family and um, so school got put on hold and I raised my kids and then um, an opportunity came for me to go back to school and I jumped at it are you back on the sociology train no um, is I took I um, got all of the credits that I had before yes. children, mm-hmm. yes, and I sent them to BYU-Idaho, and I said, most bang for my buck, what major can I get? <laughs> and what did they tell you? <laughs> they said we, because they have about 14 strictly online degrees okay. for me to choose from because I wasn't moving to Idaho. No. Um, and you weren't going to go back to school anyway. I mean, I was back to physically be there would be difficult. It would be very difficult, although I would really, really enjoy it, I think. I, yeah. I think I would really enjoy being in the classroom. Yeah. Um, so they have one, it's marriage and family relations. Okay. And they said, we can transfer about 60 units. Said, done. I'm curious. Sign me up. Out of how many? 60 out of? So you have to have 120 for a bachelor's. Okay. So I was halfway. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So when I start my senior year in the middle of September. You're going to be a senior. I'm going to be a senior. So what are you going to do with this degree when you get it? Um, career-wise, probably nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wanted to write a book. Jared and I, my husband, we've talked a lot about writing a book, a parenting book. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I probably needed a couple of initials behind my name before I could put it out to the world. Instead of M-O-M? Instead of, well, you know what I say, Jenny Trainer H-S-D-S-C-E-G. What is that? I don't know that. <laughs> what is that? Jenny Trainer yeah. high school diploma, some college, educated by Google. <laughs> 
I didn't think those were very good initials to put behind my name for a book. Uh, well, I, I don't know. know. I, kind of I think like they're it. pretty great, actually. Yeah, they are. No, that's <laughs> fantastic. So ne- not necessarily. So a lot of it was for your own personal gain. Right. But you've also learned a lot, not just about school and all the things that they teach you, but about yourself. Yeah. And you know, the, one of the biggest things that it was kind of an aha moment I had this semester, particularly because I took my classes this semester were family stress and coping and parenting. That was one class, family no. stress and coping? Family stress and, yes, one class, family stress and coping. Oh, man. Yeah, it was a lot. And then, in fact, I turned, yeah. I turned my last two assignments in about 30 minutes before I walked out the door to come to this podcast. <gasps> Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I learned was kind of an aha moment for me was, you know, people spend a lot of time and money and energy to get a degree that will be their career, that yeah. they're going to spend 30 or perhaps 40 years in. And they take all of this time and energy and money to educate themselves for this career. And the biggest and most important job or career that we will ever have is that of a parent. Mm. And it doesn't, it's not a 30 year or 40 year job, it's a lifetime. But there's not really, people don't invest in that education. No. And they don't put the time in to be the best parent. You know, I mean, a lot of it's shoot from the hip. I mean, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. We've never done it before. But I, it was kind of this moment of, oh my goodness, there's not this preparatory stuff, classes, information. Yes, there is some out there, but... You have you know, to really seek it out. You do have to seek it out and you have to be, you know, <clears throat> intentional about it and trying yeah. to find a path. And it's just, it's not something in our society that's made a priority. That is something that you say a lot is intentional parenting. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say that before. Um, is that sort of something that you've come up with since you've been getting your education? Or is that something that you've, you always, in, it was always there, but you just were able to put a label on it now? So I think it's always been there. Jared and I have always kind of had, and I, I don't think that we called it that for no. a really long time. Right. But I felt like we were always tried to be intentional in our parenting. What does that mean? To do stuff to not take the easy road. Mm. I think a lot of times parents just, for instance, there's, I have, I say something that says, say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Um, say yes when it's, when it's hard. Like a lot of parents say no just to say no. Like it's raining outside and the kids are excited because we live in Southern California and it doesn't <laughs> rain a lot. And my kids always, when they were young, they'd love to go out and they called it, um, puddle jumping mm. and they would want to go out and jump in the puddles and play in the rain and let's be honest they would get their shoes their rain soaking wet and that's hard like it's as a, a parent a you think oh my gosh I got four kids we're gonna go out we're gonna stomp in the rain I don't have a washer and dryer so that means a trip to the laundromat mm. but and a lot of people will say no just to say no because it's inconvenient for the parent well don't do that this is your kid's childhood. And you know what? In a blink of an eye, they're going to be out of the house. Mm-hmm. So say, build the fort, read all the books, play in the sand, play in the rain. Just say yes. And then when you say no, they really know it's no. They understand that, oh, she's saying no, and she doesn't normally say no. So she must mean no. No means something. Mm-hmm. Instead of a flippant, eh, I don't want to. No, 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 maybe, I don't know. Just say yes. You, every time you can, just say yes. Do you think that that then instilled in your kids that, that that when mom does say no, it's 
to be respected rather than we're not going to go behind her back because I think absolutely that's... <laughs> I ab- I absolutely think that mm-hmm. yeah that and and you know as, and as they get older you know my kids I had I have have really great kids and they they came that way like they're yes. they just there's their souls are they're just really great kids and um you know the yeses kind of get a little more difficult you know when they haven't given you a reason to say no like there's mm-hmm. no they they don't break curfew their grades are good they're involved they're attentive and um and they want to stay out till 2 a.m they want to go to the car show <clears throat> in west Covina on a thursday night that starts at 10 <laughs> You know, but still, yeah. you're like, yes. Mm. And then the, the the cream and gravy is when they say, well, do you want to go with me, Mom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to go with you. Even though I don't. Sure. Right? right. So you say yes again. But you say yes again. Because if your 16-year-old is inviting you to a car show, you dang bill better be in that passenger seat. Yeah. You know? Or when Stephen was just home this last weekend, or two weekends ago, and he was getting up at... 5.30 in the morning to go surfing. Mm. I don't enjoy that that much. But he said, will you come? Come to the beach. Of course I'm going to come to the beach. Of course I'm going to come and sit on the beach and watch you surf because you live 650 miles away and I don't get to see you. And I'm so thankful that you're inviting me and wanting me to be part of that. Yeah. That's, you know, that I think that's kind of rare. And I need, and I didn't realize it was rare. I'll tell you the time that I realized it was rare. I was, I worked at the high school, um, my kids' high school. I was very fortunate to work at their high school for 16 years. So I was there the whole time. You were there for 16 years? I was there for 16 years. Can you believe that? I didn't know that. Yeah, Yeah, eight years part time, eight years full time. Mm -hmm. And I was in a classroom, in a special ed classroom, and my kids would come in at nutrition and at lunch. And, you know, I would always have lunch a drink, money for the vending machines, an air-conditioned room. Yes. <laughs> and so my kids would spend time in, with me. And I made it convenient. I made it nice. Like, of course, I'm going to have And you food. wanted them there. And I wanted them there. And one day, they had come and left. And there was an instructional aide. She was a one-on-one with one of the students. And so she spent nutrition and lunch in the classroom. And she came up to me and she said, you know, what you have is very unusual. And I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, I will have watched you for the, this whole year. It was probably March. Mm-hmm. And she said, I would like to think that if I was at the same school as my children, this would happen. She goes, but I know it wouldn't. She goes, you need to realize what you have is not normal. And it was kind of at that moment that I was like, oh. But it, it didn't start when I started working at the high school. Yeah. It started when they were two infants of building this relationship you know i've all you're gonna raise your kids you want to be friends with who your kids are gonna with your kids like i look at my children now and the incredible things they're doing and the incredible men and the women that they've married that they are and i'm so grateful that they like me and i that we're friends and you kind of have to raise your kids with that in mind that i want to have relationships with these you know to see their potential instead of being irritated by the two-year-old that keeps asking you to read the same book four times every night. You know, you kind of have to have a little bit of perspective. But being a friend with your kids is different than what you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. Because let's, let's just preface it because I, I really know we, we've talked about this. You can't be friends with your kids. Right. 
but you can be friends with your kids. Mm -hmm. So how do you differentiate that relationship? Well, I think it starts really early. And I think that's kind of the key to intentional parenting, that it's not something that automatically happens. These relationships don't automatically happen when they're pre when they're fun to be around, you know, when it's all of a sudden, oh, you know, you have this group of friends and I want you to come to our house to watch movies. I want you to hang out at our house. It, it happens long, long, long before that. And so you build these relationships, you know, well, the very best piece of parenting advice I ever got in my whole life was from my oldest sister, Amy. And I, I look up to her and she has four boys also. And Michael's two years older than mine. And when I was pregnant with Christian, she said, Jenny, I'm going to tell you something. And mind you, she's also the one that told me you have to take the bull by the horns. Amy is maybe 4'11", <laughs> and maybe weighs 90 pounds. She's nice. just this eensy person. Tiny. And so you can imagine the vision of taking the bull by the horns, but she's a, she can take the bull. But she says, Jenny, it's easier to parent a two-year-old than it is a 12-year-old. Mm -hmm. And I really took that to heart mm -hmm. that, yeah, it, it is. Like, they're so moldable and teachable and, and eager. And, you know, if you parent or correct or discipline or what you know however you want to call it it's so much easier to do that to a two-year-old yep. and keep that pattern right. than it is to all of a sudden at 12 oh guess what we don't do you know now that you, the taking of a toy that we just kind of brushed off and pulled you out of the situation and put you in time out and didn't really talk to you about you know now you're taking the snacks out of the 7-eleven and <laughs> you oh, know no. whatever yeah, yeah you know i mean so, that's kind so of so pay now or yeah. pay later yeah so, and I think, you know, but you develop those relationships of my mom is my mom, but she's also my confidant. Yeah. You know, my parents are also, I can also so trust them. a safe them. place. Absolutely. A safe place. Yeah. I Absolutely. remember at one point, you got, now I'm telling family tales out of school, but at one point you got, did you get a hot tub maybe? And one of your boys was like, I we need this hot tub so that I have a place to be with my friends that I know is like safe my parents are cool but there's not going to be any weird drugs happening or whatever because when i go over to xyz's house we get in his parents hot tub and all of a sudden the parents are smoking marijuana in the backyard you know this kind of thing so i i remember that because i remember thinking you don't give the kids enough credit thinking they have feelings too that they don't want to be in certain situations right whatever those situations might be and you have to give them a place where they can escape the situations absolutely yeah yeah well the hot tub is funny because we did get it and we did bring it. It was free. It was a free hot tub. Sure. What could go wrong? <laughs> and we got it home and put it on the driveway and started cleaning it out. And it never actually made it to the backyard because yeah. it was so disgusting. But yeah. that was the intent. The intent was. Behind the hot tub. Sure. Was that it would be a place, you know, because, and again, they, I always liked it because my kids had friends that, you know, were, I never felt like our, our house was, it's not big. It's kind of a modest little house. But I always tried to make it so that they would want to bring their friends home. And they did. They wanted to bring, their, which always was kind of surprising. But it, it came back to that of, we want to be here because there's not, I'm not worried about the parents getting drunk and, you know, opening the bar to the rest of us. Uh, yes, exactly. I, <laughs> yeah. I, think it, I think there's a lot of misconception about kids, especially when they're in their preteens and things that they want to party, they want to do bad things. I, and and it goes back to this part of intentional, which is you got to, you, you can't be their friend, but you can be their friend, if that makes any mm -hmm. sense, like what we've been talking about. And you need to set boundaries for these, for these babies who 
their frontal lobe is so open and they have so much still they're trying to figure out and there's so much pressure on them from the peer standpoint and society and social media and all of these things that are so much more challenging than we can ever even imagine because we didn't have to deal with them that we have to give them this place where they can be who they want to be without all of those other things coming into play and your home should be that place mm-hmm. absolutely yeah in in putting this book together the ideas that you have i know it's not a fully formed book but you guys are working on it, you and your husband mm-hmm. how long have you and jared been married 30 it'll be 30 years in october 30 in october yeah wow what's the 30th anniversary gift soy cardboard <laughs> i don't know what it is like diamonds really <laughs> big always diamonds. diamonds every year it's diamonds it's always i don't know what the problem is always uh, diamonds it's always diamonds yes. okay so you've been married 30 years you and jared are putting together uh, you know the the rough part of a of a book outlining it what kind of what are your points that you're trying to make in this book so i think you know it's interesting because i have had the unique experience like denise alluded to earlier of seeing parenting styles Mm -hmm. develop in real time as i was at the high school and even i was very involved in the elementary school too so you know seeing all of that and then coming to the high school but i was in my position at the high school for the several years before i left was that of the ASB bookkeeper. So I just dealt with students. And sometimes that meant dealing with their parents as well. And just seeing how parents dealt with certain situations, I would be like, ooh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, for example. That's that's nope, not something nope I want to do. <laughs> well, little things like very, you know, there's kind of a trend of parents don't want their kids to be wrong. Parents don't want their kids to have hard things happen. They to don't them. want them to get in trouble. They don't want that is a huge thing. They because if they get in trouble, what's the domino effect of that? If they're caught cheating, what's the domino? They'll never get into a college. They'll ne- their future right. is done. They Over. are going to be in the gutter. Right. Instead of, oh, my kid got caught cheating in the twelfth, eleventh grade, and how awesome that they get to learn this lesson as a junior in high school instead of a junior in college when the consequences are much more severe or their second year on their first job right. when those are dire consequences. I think we all can, I can name experiences when my kids were in high school where there was some pretty, you know, big things happening between athletes, maybe doing the wrong thing, getting drunk or whatever it was. And instead of the parents saying, yep, you're off the team, you get to sit out for this season, you know, they get attorneys or they start, you know, defending it. You better not kick my kid off. And, you know, I've always found that fascinating because I was just like, if you get caught doing something, your first call shouldn't be to me because <laughs> I'm not going to be the person that's going to come get you. Yeah. You better you better figure it out because and my kids knew if you ever get caught drinking and driving. Don't call me. I'm not coming to get you. You'll be sitting down in jail. <laughs> Is that the kind of tough love that you, sort? I don't want to say inflicted? That's kind of extreme. <laughs> no, it's not extreme because I had the same thing with my kid. I was like, if you find yourself arrested, you know, you're not going to, I'm not going to be the soft pillow for you to yeah. land on. I don't know what it is that you've done. Right. <laughs> you and know? you know, my, our conversations never went to the arrested yeah, or drunk right. or because <laughs> we like to go to the extreme right. yeah. here. <laughs> we just go right there. Right to yeah. the extreme. Yeah. You know, those weren't the things that, you know, I felt, and 
I'm probably looking through rose-colored glasses because it's been a couple of years. But those weren't the thing. You know, I, I felt like if we addressed things early enough and got things early enough, yes, were there going to be situations when they found themselves in a, in a circumstance that they didn't want to be in? Absolutely. We all do that. I still experience that as a, you know, 49-year-old woman that, oh, gosh, how did I get here? I don't want to be here. How do I get out? Um, but I think the key, I think one of the things that's super important is to... And not necessarily to have formal role play, but to talk about situations in your home before they're actually situations. To let your kid experience what it might be like. And it doesn't have to be a formal, oh, we're going to talk about For, for example, this. you drive your car and you drive too fast and you get a ticket. Guess who's going to pay for it? Absolutely. Not me. Right. Mm -hmm. You will be responsible for paying for that. And I think as the kids, as long, so I always talk about let the consequences do the teaching. Right. From the time they're small, Mm -hmm. you know, then the parent's not the bad guy. Right. You know, the concept, your action, and this is, this is the consequence of you, you know, spilling water on your bed is that now you sleep either on the couch or... In a bed sheets. without sheets, or yeah. you change your sheets, or whatever. I mean, right. that's kind of a silly thing, but there are consequences all through the path sure. that, and you don't have to. For instance, Charlie and Stephen were um, in a car accident. Mm-hmm. I think it was Charlie's senior year, maybe, and um, in a terrifying situation, they were they hadn't they were supposed to just be coming home, but instead, you know, there were. Charlie's girlfriend and her sister and Steven and they all got in the car and decided to go too fast and spun out of control, hit a light post and brought it down. Thank heaven it didn't hit the car. And literally the witnesses were like, it literally changed trajectory. Like it was going for the car and all of a sudden it did this. But I didn't have to, like, I didn't have to come down really hard. They knew. And they, they knew, you know, I've wrecked the car that my, it wasn't a nice car because, you know, I think we got it for Christian and now it's the third child. It, it wasn't the bus. It wasn't the bus. <laughs> it was a car. It was a car. Yes. And so they, you know, they knew the consequence of that. Now, guess what? You don't have a car to drive, which is crummy. For this you. is a, for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing is that parents, when they set, when they do discipline, they kind of set some outrageous discipline you know if they're gonna if you're gonna ground a kid for three weeks then by golly you need to be the parent needs to be prepared for that grounding too you're grounded as a parent if you ground your kid for three weeks right and a lot of parents don't follow through with that because they're like man i don't have anyone to go to the store for me i don't have you know i've got to take you to seminary i've got to take you to church i've got to take you to school you know and you've got to be realistic in the consequences and the punishment that you do set for your child and you have to be consistent with it don't set punishments that you're not willing to follow through on is that something that you that maybe you're looking at with your book as well but the consistency element of parenting that for me is top top three things that you have to do what i mean what's not what's your opinion on it but sort of like is there an easier way to be consistent how do you sort of decide consistency has to happen early on it's the hardest part like you're gonna go sleep in your bed little year and a half year old that means i have to get out of my bed and have to take you up there and it Mm -hmm. happens every single night Mm -hmm. but you know you have to be consistent it's like denise said pay now pay later it's happening yeah and I, i i do agree with that that it's 
and you start it young, just like with everything. I just think that you have to start, set a pattern, and then it's just easier. That's just part of our family. That's just what we do. That's that's how we are. That's how we are. And it's going to get easier well, maybe not. Maybe I'm looking through it with each kid. But, you know, I know somebody asked me the other day how I potty trained. And I'm like, I have no idea. I can't right. remember. I don't it's remember. Blur. It's blocked. It's a blur. So maybe I'm blocking some of these things. But I... No, I think you're right, though. Because now now you've got the oldest kid who's potty trained. And the next kid is like, oh, I want to do that. Right. Not just with potty training. With a lot, a lot of, of behavior. Yeah. And I was lucky to have Christian yeah. as an oldest. Well, that's Be, his you know, job in life. And I, I would tell him that a lot. Mm-hmm. like, And I would thank him a lot. Sure. He <laughs> like I'm, it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful. Yeah. So let, let me just be, it's not even a devil's advocate, but let me just play a scenario for you. We have parents out there who have not been consistent, who have not established great programs in their family. They have not built these relationships with their kids now they're struggling because the kid is out every night. He's doing whatever. Can you get it back? I mean, how do you as a parent try to salvage a relationship with your kid? I, I have a, an example. It's not really an example, but I've seen a lot of families where, you know, it's hard. Parents are working. They're both out of the home. Kids are coming home on their own. They're left to watching television being on their phones, hanging out with whoever happens to come home with them, even though they're not supposed to have anybody over, but they do. And it's this big kind of cyclical issue of how do I get it back? What can you as a parent do? What can we even as a society do for for people? Because I want to believe it's never too late. It's never too late to be a good parent. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think it's ever too late to be a good parent. And I think you know, ways to get back, you got to have discussions and talks with your children. And I'm a big thing, family councils. Like I'm a huge proponent of family councils. Let's talk about what a family council is. Because when my kids would hear it's a family council, they were like, oh no, not again. (laughs) So I think we had a lot of unintentional family councils Mm -hmm. in our family. We, I know you guys did a pod about um, what happened to family dinner. Yes. And we have family dinner every night no matter what always did jared and i still have family dinner and now it's so sad because it's just the two of us but we and it didn't matter at at what point because our kids were active they played sports they played and some nights it was 9 30 before we're sitting and it would be grilled cheese and tomato soup Mm -hmm. or it would be fried egg sandwiches Mm -hmm. or corn dogs but we were sitting down together every night as a family and that's a perfect place for a family council. It doesn't even have to be named. Be named. Name it. it doesn't even be, need to be named. I think there's a place for actual named called family councils. Like we're going to have a family council on Sunday night to discuss. You got to let your kids be involved in big family decisions. I, I'm not a fan of parents shielding their kids from what's going on in their families. Or being a dictator. Or being a dictator. So it, well, it, comes, it comes back to, but, but it's different because it comes back to you don't, you're not looking to be their friend, but you want to be their friend. Right, right. You know, you have to still be in charge. They want you to be in charge. Right. Even yeah. if they say they do not, right. I'm telling you, they're lying. They they're, don't know. Their frontal lobe is so open. Right. They can't decide what they want. I've heard kids tell me, I mean, there was kids that would come to our house often because they didn't have what we had, which was family dinners on a consistent basis, fathers who are present, 
mothers who are asking questions. You're genuinely interested in what they're doing. You're checking in their room to see how things mm-hmm. are going. You are making your, you're putting yourself second still, yeah. right? And that's, it kind of comes back to what we talked about at the beginning. In order to have kids that want parenting to be part of their life, you have to include them in the parenting. Well, I think all kids want parenting to be part of their life. I do too. I think that they they yearn for structure and they yearn for, you know, feeling an emotional attachment to a family and, and having all of that. I think every child wants to be parented. Um, but, you know, so the family council also make your house, well, going to, if you have kids that aren't quite, you know, where you want them to be, I'm, you know, I am all about apologizing and, you know, drinking the vinegar. Mm-hmm. When I got it wrong, I would it. apologize. You know what? And I, I use the saying and I still use it. You know what? I would say, Christian, this is the first time I've parented a 16-year-old. Yeah. I'm going to get it wrong. Right. And then when Matthew was 16, I'd be like, this is the first time I've parented a 16-year-old Matthew. So <laughs> I'm going to get it wrong. And so, you know, drink the vinegar. And when you're wrong, say you're wrong. And to them, that teaches them that you don't always have to be right. Right. It's okay to be wrong. And that's where growth comes in. And that's where learning comes in. When you can admit, I'm wrong. And so, you know, you can tell your kids now, you know what, I'm, I haven't, we haven't done this right. There's some things that we haven't gotten quite right. And we need to, we need to correct our course. And it's going to, you know, when I see kids that are constantly on their phones or constant, or, you know, an adult will walk in the room and they'll, the parent will be like, oh, they're just teenagers. No, 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 no. Whenever we had company come to our house, it was, you are present and you are engaged mm-hmm. and there is no cell phone. And that started, like, again, that started early. But you can make those corrections now. Like, if you have a 14-year-old that's in their phone and you have company come over. Or you're eating dinner. Or you're eating dinner. Or you're going to bed. Maybe you don't allow it to go in their yeah, bedroom. those phones. And, you know, you need to check the phones. I think that, I agree. you know, I think so many parents give a compute the world access to the world to a three-year-old and it's so like i have a granddaughter no i know and she um and she already like because we yeah. facetime her every day mm. so grandma and grandpa are in the phone yeah. but she already knows like that, that it, it's that important. It's, important that's important yeah. this, that's this thing is important right. and so we need to start you know taking the importance off of that is it useful yes. is it an incredible resource does it do a lot of good absolutely but you need to be involved in that i can't tell you how many text messages i would read every night and i, I would i would just and so they were take their phone and oh, you yeah. would read it and they knew it wasn't a secret right. and i would even like one time stephen was in a group of friends that mm-hmm. and there there was one chain one night and i just re- and they all knew me i worked at the high school they know mrs trainer right. i texted into the text hey it's mrs trainer going through steven's phone tonight like i do every night i'm not going to open the videos because i'm sure they're not that appropriate <gasps> but just so you know and immediately sorry mrs trainer sorry mrs trainer oh my gosh i'm so sorry mrs trainer and so and i think that's an easy way and it may that may sound i don't know but it's an easy way for the friends to know hey I can't send this stuff to Steven. 
just the thought that there is going to be an adult. They yeah. had no idea when right. they sent whatever they were sending right. that there was going to be an adult looking at that. They thought they were had complete autonomy and right. it was all going to be... And I think it's also a safe place for their for Stephen that he knows, you know what? Uh, my mom's going to be looking at this yeah. and it's something that I don't really want to address with my friends because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm going to let my mom take this one. Always. Even with, if it's conscious parents. or subconscious because, you know, the next morning I told him about it and he was... Again, I know this is not the situation for everybody. I get that. And he was fine with it. He was like, But it took effort on your part. You were tired. We'd already built that relationship. You were tired Mm -hmm. that night. You could have just, I don't want to look at the phone. And you decided that I would rather stay up an extra 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. check all the phones and see what's going on in their lives. So I know. I know for a fact social media is a huge issue for most kids. And parents have zero idea. I know... In my own experience, and I think Jacqueline would be fine with me saying this, she struggled, and we've talked to Jacqueline on the podcast about her anxiety and her social, the social issues that she's had and just all the mental health issues that she's had. Social media was one huge issue for her. And what it did was it got her down a rabbit hole where, you know, for a time, and, and I would check her social media periodically. I was always, if you, if you couldn't be my friend on social media, you couldn't have a social media account. Well, she made a private account that I did not know about. Burner account. Yeah, and her friend ended up telling me when we were worried about Jacqueline because she was so depressed. It wasn't the only reason I found out about it though was because there was there was drama and there was there was a reason for someone to finally tell me. Scary, really scary because like you said the world is available to them and again, frontal lobes super open these kids are not ready for what the world has to offer them whether it's pornography whether it is you know bullying Mm -hmm. it could be a little bit of everything we owe it to our kids to have some sort of we have to be the reason that they have to say no to certain things Mm -hmm. parents don't want to say no though no and i think it's also important because you want your kid to come to you when there's something yeah And, you know, this is, I call it the poker face, (laughs) is that you have, the first time they tell you something, you're not going to get that reaction reaction back. Like, that reaction. So if you overreact, you're done. Absolutely. Because then going (laughs) forward, they're not going to come. They're going to be like, oh, mom lost it. Yeah. And there are some things that I have overreacted. I'm I'm not perfect in this. Of course, always. But I really tried and still do to have a poker face. When they come to me with something no matter what it is, that I can have the appropriate reaction. And I think um, that one of the things is the, the kids need to know that nothing is off limits. off limits and that nothing is too big. Yes. There's nothing you can bring me mm-hmm. that's too big. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes kids are worried that I can't give this to mom because she's not going to know. And I think a lot of it is my kids knew, you know, know my history and know where I come from. And they understood that you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Right. And I've done things and been places that, you know, it's a you can bring me stuff and we're going to get through it together. When we I was just thinking about when you were talking about um, that you, you would admit to your kids, you know, that this is the first time I've ever parented and I didn't get it exactly right. And I, it made me think about something that I, it was parenting advice. And I'm a pretty reactive person. And 
husbands and fathers in general want to fix things. It's okay for us to tell your kids that you don't know something, right? It's okay to admit, I don't know what we should do right now. Or, you know what? I am really pissed at you right now. And I'm not even going to decide your fate, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> oh, you don't have to worse. make the decision right on the spot that you're grounded for three weeks. Right. We go getting back to you better be able to put your money where your mouth is in the long run. So you don't have to make those decisions right, right then and there. Personally, I, I got better at it as I got older. And as the third child came around, it, it got easier and easier. The first child's an experimental, Right. It's like first pancake. First pancake doesn't always turn oh, out exactly don't throw right. It out. I've only got one pancake. <laughs> I just had the one pancake. So he's got a little sorry, got a little crusty thing on him. A little burger on the yeah. edge. But I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, we're all people, and we used to be kids at one point, and we're imperfect, and we're all. Ch- I, I we've had this discussion, and Ann disagrees with me, but I really feel like that parents are most parents are trying to do the best they can. Now, there's some oh, exceptions. Well, now, this is, I mean, in my own defense, and Jenny, weigh in on this. My husband have been out, a husband and I have been out places. And this is post-COVID, so I got to give people a break. And people are, you know, at a restaurant with their kid or something like that. And the kid is misbehaving. And I turned to my husband at one point, and I said, you know how they say that you can't do it wrong? That there's no, you know, that that parenting just in it, uh, in and of itself is you're doing your best or whatever and i said i my opinion has changed on that i can actually look at some people and go you are 100 percent doing it wrong and it's not because i did it right but i'm just like <laughs> i i think though he, that it's awful in society though w- this is why jenny's book is going to be so important is because people aren't putting the time that they would into some of the other things like watching television or being on social media. I mean, I see parents all the time on their phone sitting across from their kids at a restaurant and they're on their phone too. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're not putting the time and effort it takes to be good at this because they've either given up or they haven't had the other people, they haven't had any examples for themselves. I don't know. Well, and I think a lot of parents, like if you'll notice, if you go to the, and maybe it's just when I go to the grocery store (laughs) because I I go at odd hours Mm -hmm. because I work full time. Yeah. But I don't see a lot of families in the grocery store anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of the, like the Instacart shopper shopping people and things like that. And I think that there are valuable lessons to be learned when you take your kids on errands. Yes. And that, Never do it again. <laughs> but no, that's it's something that isn't. So we, in the trainer family, we have a motto, mo, a motto, motto if yeah. you don't go, you don't get. Mm. And so it it started actually in the Clark family. My dad had five daughters, and that was kind of his thing. Isn't you don't that go. You had you five get. daughters, and My, you have yeah. four boys. Four boys, but um, we always went. Like it, there was no option back then. No. I mean, there was there was no option. You weren't wearing seatbelts either at that we time. We weren't. We were just pitching them in the back and praying <laughs> for no the best, cell phones. Hoping, for the best. <laughs> hoping for the best. But you know, I hadn't. Ex- but you have to gear them up. For, and there are important lessons to be learned in the grocery store. Like, Absolutely. here's the cereal aisle. You each get to pick a cereal that's on sale, and sugar is the number three ingredient. Oh, wow. You know? I mean, things like that. Yeah. Like, there are things, and kids learn budgeting skills. They learn how to read labels. These important life lessons that are learned in the grocery store, in the post office, you know, somewhere. Ooh, but you, you... You take them to the post office? So I have to tell you this funny story. And I was, I'm a big me. person of prepping your children. Kids are smart. They can do things. And you just have to prepare them that, hey, we're going to go into the post office. We're going to be there for about 15 minutes. 
there's nothing to do. There's nothing to touch. I would always tell my kids, I'd forgotten this, but Matthew reminded me of the other day, hands in your pockets. Oh, yeah. So hands in your pockets. And we would walk in this little tribe of, you know, four (laughs) and literally just these little stair steps. And we'd walk in. And so I worked at The Gap a long time ago. And um, I worked the night shift because I wanted to be where my kids were. And if I worked night shift, I could still be their mom during the day. And so um, this woman came up to me on a shift and she's like, man, you look so familiar to me. And I was like, you know, and and I, I, we tried to place it, you know, church, school, something. And she left to shop and then she came back. She goes, I can't, I just can't. I know you, like, I know you. How do I know you? And I'm like... I don't know. Anyway, third time she came up, she goes, I know. No. I know where I know you. The post office. And I went, oh, oh gosh, no. the post office. Did <laughs> I go postal? What did I do? <laughs> and she goes, you have four boys. And then I got her to get a little concerned. I was like, oh. I do. She goes, I've seen you in the post office. And those boys that walk in with their hands in their pockets, <gasps> totally behaved, and you do your business, and you leave. But my kids know that for 15 minutes, you have to be good. And I felt that way about church too. You yeah. can sit in a pew for an hour without a toy or a coloring book. Mm-hmm. You can do it. It can be done. I mean, not the littlest one, but yeah. you know, you ha- at a certain point. Yeah. And I think that parents don't have high expectations for their children. That's right. I agree. You know what? Set that bar high. These are remarkable people that are going to be doing remarkable things. Make them do hard things. Make them learn these lessons. When... When we lived in our condo and we had a hot tub and a pool, I, this is probably bad parenting, but they, we, the pool wasn't heated and we would go to the hot tub and Jared and I would get in the hot tub. Well, the rule was that the boys had to swim the length and back of the pool before they get that in the hot tub. That would be like considered child abuse. Child probably. abuse at first. Anyway, but yeah. they still talk about that. And it was at Thanksgiving time, or was it Christmas? All the kids were over and we went to a friend's pool okay. and we walked out and got in the hot tub and all four of my boys jumped in the pool and swam the lake. No, it was at the Hoover's house and swam back. And they're like, what are they doing? What is happening? And I just started laughing. And I, but it's a joyful, like it's such a fun thing. But you need to let your kids do hard things. And don't set your kids up for failure. Let them know this is going to be really hard. It's when I would take my kids to get shots when they could understand. Mm. It was, this is going to hurt for a minute. The doctor's not bad. I'm not bad. It's going to hurt. I never had a kid that was you had to losing it because they knew. Yeah. And they knew. You're, prepare them for all kinds of situations. That's kind of what we talked about, the role-playing thing. Yeah. Let them know what to expect. High school's hard. You know, my kids all served missions for our church. And we talked about, you're gonna be, you might be homesick every single day. For two for years. For two years. That's right. It's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason you can't do it. Right. Like you are capable of doing really, really hard things. Uh, Go ahead. Do you think that people in general, that would be hard for a parent because people don't want to have hard things. I mean, even adults, the avoidance of things that are difficult or things that are uncomfortable. I mean, being a parent is difficult and uncomfortable Mm -hmm. in a lot of situations it tests your patience it tests everything about you being a parent has to be full-time intentional at all Mm -hmm. times like you you don't get a break Mm -mm. how has that changed as a parent of four adult boys now 
they're making their own decisions. Right. Has that, have you had to make a conscientious shift in your intentional parenting? Yeah, you know, because it's not so, so my kids are super cute. They'll call and they'll be like, I, and I'm super blessed. Again, like I talk to my children almost every day. Yeah. Usually on my drive home from work, I make the phone calls or they'll call me. My kids call me during the day and I'm super blessed with that. And they'll call and they want advice. Like, they're like, we're trying, we're adulting. Uh-huh. We need to know how to do this. Yeah. Or, you know, just telling me about their day or if they have a situation. But I'm more, if they ask for it or if it's something that's glaring. But we've also had the conversation, you know, I don't cease being your parent. And if there's something, I had a situation with Christian that I won't go into details with, but he was doing something and I ha- I literally called him with the intent to give him some advice. And two sentences in, I had this total revelation and this shift. And I could feel him as I, two sentences in, him shift to like, oh, I don't want this from you right now, kind yeah, of a thing. Not appropriate. And it, I had this complete revelatory shift. And I said, let me just tell you this. And I told him and he's like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And so I think that it, you know, you have to be opened, open to, receive inspiration and to receive ideas and to be able to pass that on to your kids. You know, I have a, I have a granddaughter now Mm -hmm. and to see my son be a parent is the most beautiful thing you've probably experienced. But I remember going there when Monroe was just brand new and seeing Matthew look at Monroe and just the awe. And I, I stopped Matthew and I said, how you look at her is exactly how I still look at you. And it was kind of this, you know, and I, you can't know that until you're a parent, you know, that you, that as much as you adore this baby and we adore this baby, that's how much I adore you as my son. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are relationships that are built over, you know, 26 years of, you know, wanting, like I said earlier, that I want to be their friend. Yeah. Like, these are incredible humans. And, you know, I want to, I want to be part of their lives. Yeah. These are people that you would like to know beyond your parenting. Absolutely. They're people of respect and people of high standard and people who are so fun. And they just, anything your boys do, you know, just brings me to tears. I just love them all so much. They're such great humans. So you're, your book, though, is it going to be an advice book? Is it going to be a practical look at? Or is it more just like, here's what we did. I think Can you get yes. anything from that? I think it's probably <laughs> going to be, you know, because everybody's situation is different. Right. I mean, I, I would hope that there were, would be pieces that mm-hmm. people could take from it that, mm-hmm. oh, I really like this idea. And, you know, I I, I like how they did this. Right. And it's, it's kind of like a memoir almost. Yes. Like, hey, this is the situation. This is what we learned. This is how we did it. Mm-hmm. And it worked for us. And if anybody can glean bits and pieces of wisdom or, you know, out of that, then yeah, that's that's good enough for me. Right. I yeah. think when I when I listen to you and I think about my own life, and I know Anne and her son, I think that the reward for all of this intentional parenting, and you know, we all, I think we all did our best to do intentional parenting. Yeah. We were all present. We did mm-hmm. the best we could. We weren't perfect for sure. We made mistakes. I, if I could do some do-overs, I would definitely want to do some of those do-overs. But 
the benefit of all of that is that I enjoy being with my children as adults. I like having this adult relationship with them where it is literally shifted to a place where I have respect for them. I see them as parents. I see them as husbands, as wives, as all of these things that that's all I that's all I've ever wanted. When they were little, I never thought it would happen because it just seems so far away. But now that it's there, so for all of the parents out there that are like, this is too much. I don't think I'm going to make it to the, this is a marathon, right? Mm-hmm. This is not a sprint. Mm-hmm. You got to stick it out. You can do this. You can do, you can do hard things. You can be, lead by example. Like when you were talking mm-hmm. about doing hard things, kids aren't going to, if you're on your phone all the time, they're going to be on the phone all the time. If you drink a lot of alcohol and are, acting a fool a lot, guess what's probably going to happen to you and your family? Same thing. So I just think that the, the the benefit is we all get to have this great relationship with our kids and Sunday dinners are awesome. And, you know, family get togethers, family vacations you can look forward to because you want to hang out with these people because they're cool. So at, at the end of every podcast, we ask our our guests to give us a tag, uh, you know, a takeaway gift. What would your takeaway gift be for our audience based on what we're talking about today? Um, well, I think there's probably a couple that I could think of right off the top of my head. Give them all would to be, us. We need tags. Uh, we're going to put a Z on the end. Tags. You know, say yes. Just, say yes. Just say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the maybe oh i don't get caught in the thick of thin things i I, you know i think about and i think that goes along with having perspective and you know that was say that again because you kind of glossed over it but this is such a terrific quote and i know you've sort of had like a family motto mm -hmm. you had that i think on your desk in the high school did you have that yeah Mm -hmm. i remember coming and seeing you you know don't get caught in the stuff that's really not that important you know sometimes we get so caught in things that just don't matter right and to have perspective um have perspective and see what is really important and this is kind of not the end but i'll tell you one thing that we didn't touch on that i wanted to yeah is that you know when my kids were growing up and we were in the high school i we called it the friday night mentality and to be able to see past whatever's happening on a friday night because a lot of people they want to get to friday night and then And you know what? You have to have a perspective that gets you past Friday night to get you through Friday night. You know, you're going to be in situations sometimes that are really hard and you have to have, you know, a bigger perspective to, you know, so get rid of that Friday night mentality and have a bigger perspective. Oh, that's hard to do. It is is really hard to do. That's a toughie. Especially when you're in the thick of thin things. And that I'm stealing that from a prophet, President Monson. But don't don't be you know don't sweat don't be in the little minutia stuff yeah have yeah we all have to go through it we all have to get through that those everyday things but really try to have some more perspective so say yes have perspective and probably the biggest one is nothing is too awful too big too terrible you can get through anything and i think a lot of times that's what breaks some kids is they think i have failed this test i have made this mistake i have cheated i've lied i've whatever it is and they think it's over because they only have the perspective of a 16 year old they don't have a perspective of a 50 year old and they can't see that i can get through this and i think that's a big thing is you know what let kids know that there's nothing that's not solvable 
there's nothing that's not recoverable. It's all recoverable. And it might be hard. It may be sticky, messy, uncomfortable. There might be consequences. There might be consequences. But guess what? As your mom and dad, we're going to each take an arm and we're going to start walking. I love and it. And we're not going to carry you. No. You're still going to have to do the walking. Oh. But we're going to get through it. So Good. those are kind of my takeaways. Love it. Jenny Trainer. I knew this was going to be fun. Mom extraordinaire. Yeah. So when you produce this book, when you birth it, when and birth then it. you get it picked up by Random House. <laughs> It'll first have be you. independently published on Amazon. <laughs> okay, good. Perfect. <laughs> We're going to have you and Jared in, and you can promo the book. I'm so excited for it. I mean, I knew you sort of have been working on it, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit here and there for years. Years. But Just now ideas. it's like you kind of have... You kind of have, have like a good an outline. outline. Yeah, we it's do. We have a lot of to meat. Go. Love it. Now you just have to fill it in. We do. We're so glad you joined us, Jenny Thanks. Trainer. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for me. Thanks for being on Two Average Girls. I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.